0: Welcome to Inclusion Matters, produced by the Center for Inclusive Childcare. AKA the CICC. We're located at inclusivechildcare.org. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast of the Center for Inclusive Childcare. I'm here today with Priscilla Weigel, our inclusion consultant, and I'm Cindy Croft, director of the Center for Inclusive Child Care. Welcome, Priscilla. Hi, Cindy. Good to be here. Good to have you. and so glad to be uh, doing this podcast today. We have kind of an exciting topic, something we've been talking about, and um, hopefully it will also be something of interest to the people out there listening. Mm-hmm. We hope so. And so we're kind of going around, maybe about this a little bit roundabout, but we're going to talk today about uh Teachers and early childhood educators and kind of the way they perceive the activities they're planning in their rooms and uh, the sorts of creativity that they want to come up with and and that they want to present with children and then the way children maybe respond to that Mm -hmm. sometimes positively sometimes negatively Mm -hmm. and maybe kind of seeing whether or not that's developmentally appropriate practice in their response or maybe sometimes if accommodations need to be made for children with different kinds of learning styles Mm -hmm. not even necessarily children with disabilities and so i'm going to let you kind of take off with this with a story that you have
1: okay um it's an example of a little boy who is in a preschool classroom that i think there are about maybe 18 to 20 kids in the classroom and typically And this was a consultation that um, I've been doing kind of over the past few months here. But typically when it comes time for children to kind of do their own thing, the free play, the free choice period of the day where they're supposed to choose where they want to be, this little guy will just kind of park in the middle of the room and do a lot of observing of other kids and where they're going. You know, they're supposed to take their names and put them on that piece of Velcro to show where they're going to be. Well, he's got his name, and it's in his hand, but he is kind of doing his own thing in the middle of the room and never really ventures into, he might go kind of wander and start at one area and maybe do a few things, but then goes back to that middle of the room. And the whole time he's there, he's, he's doing something. I mean, he's either dancing around or he's um, telling the other kids how they're supposed to be playing with the activities that are at the different centers, or he's reminding the other children of, which centers are not open today that type of thing but he never becomes engaged right and he really needs someone to take him by the hand because once he becomes engaged and that's something that I did with him once I got him to an area it wasn't that he just kind of took off on his own he needed some prodding he needed some prompting but he was able to play and participate he showed me a lot of things that I was really surprised by that, you know, skills that he had Right. that were really kind of being just wasted when he's left to his own little dance in the middle of the room or whatever. Right. It was just, he was one of those kids that didn't cause a big ruckus, but watching him from the sidelines, you think, hmm, there's more, we're wasting this child's day here. Right. How, be- how old is this little guy? He's five. Five. Wow. Yeah. So he's moving on to elementary school in the fall and with what kind of skills exactly. when he's got 18 peers here to really be practicing with. And, and it's amazing to see that when you think about what, what precious time this is for children uh-huh. and when we just kind of leave them be. That's great for some kids. They take it and they run. Right. But there are many children who don't know what to do next. So do you think that uh,
0: as teachers or as educators, early educators, sometimes we're just not seeing that little guy in the middle of the room?
1: I think sometimes. Sometimes that's hard to imagine that that can be, but I think a lot of times we're so busy, there's so much going on, that maybe the child who has challenging behavior would be taking up Time for us prior, you know, to really noticing this little guy who's really not causing any problems at all. But I think um, sometimes we're so caught up in our own agenda of what we think we should be providing children that we forget we need to read their cues. We need to figure out what's going to get this guy engaged. Right. What are some things that he's interested in? What what does he like to play with at home? You know, things that we don't know. All we have to do is ask. If he's not going to tell us. That's our first, you know, we'll always just try to start a conversation with the child and find out where they're coming from as far as what's fun and what's exciting and that sort of thing. But if we don't get a lot of information there, well, we've got the next best thing to that. Who lives with them? Parents, caregivers, anyone that's in the home, we can ask them for ideas, too. And then we need to incorporate those things into our settings. And even if it's something we've never done before, it can be totally eye-opening to that child and can build so many skills that wouldn't be even developing or given an opportunity. So we're not ta- we're not saying that that child may
0: or may not have a disability of some sort. I mean, this is just a this is a, may, could be just a social skill mm-hmm. that he's somewhere in his development, mm-hmm. or it may be a temperament that he's maybe a little more withdrawn, mm-hmm. um, or it just could be that. You know, we've talked about this before that some children are more comfortable with two or three peers than right. with 12 peers. Right. Right. And so, just the fact that he's in a room full of, co- you know, all kinds of conversation and sounds makes him want to, he, he maybe is going to become more withdrawn into himself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and takes, then we need, he needs that encouragement from right. the adult to get into the action.
1: And, and I have another story of another little boy who, you know, the teacher was really concerned about being behind. And, and when I went out to observe, she shared so many times, oh, he's come so far, he's come so far. And, and I'm watching him, and I'm thinking, he's just a kid that has that slow-to-warm-up temperament. He's just one of those, kind of like the story, Leo the Late Bloomer. It, it really was, it seemed really obvious obvious to me that he just needed opportunity He was overwhelmed. When you looked at the dynamic of his classroom group, they were all, he was in the majority because he was a boy, and typically these days it seems like there's more boys than girls in every setting I go to, but they weren't just typical low-key individuals. They were all strong, powerful personalities. And so this little guy, who is a little more petite, a little more quiet, just was taking his time taking it all in. Did a lot of reassurance from the teacher, showing her his things that he built and going over and asking her, did you did you see what I did? And, oh, look what I'm doing now. And just needed that check-in with her. And it's coming. You know, he, it, was, it was, I think, initially, the teachers just seeing him in the scheme of things as, oh, compared to everybody else, wow, he's really behind on just those cognitive skills. But when you look at it, his temper- temperament... Was guiding him. He needed some time to warm up. He needed some time to get used to these big personalities and he needed some time to know is this teacher really going to be responsive to my needs? Can I count on her? I need her as my anchor. Right. You know, and she needed to show him that. Once she showed him that consistently, right. He grabbed hold and moved ahead. So I think that we have to really look at children's learning styles and who they are as little people they don't all seem to want to be doing everything exactly the way we think they should be because that's our view of the world and sometimes kids have so much potential and it's just um you know it's not given the opportunity to develop because they don't get an opportunity to shine in their own way. Exactly. So how, what it's, it may look different from their point of view, it may not be
0: the way we wanted the outcome to look, but from their point of view it's exactly the way they wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. But again, we're not just ignoring a child because no. they seem to be a little more laid back. We're trying again to get in there and see what they need, but we're also giving them uh, what they seem to need at that particular right. time, either a little more space, a little more time little more leeway
1: mm-hmm. and support and and taking by the hand some kids just need someone to say I know this is not what you typically want to do and it's maybe too big and too scary for you so I'm gonna help you start in a little chunk start with a little bite and then move on into the bigger realm of things so maybe it is looking at a classroom filled with all these busy kids and you think you know that's why we Always encourage people to put sensory items near the door so that children can just come in do those sensory activities and kind of have that slow wake-up time before they bound in some kids bound in and just what have you got for me today and that's you know it's it's all about personality and temperament too and I think that if we forget that we are doing children a disservice exactly
0: it's interesting because as adults we it's very easy for us to see differences in ourselves, mm-hmm. and then. It, but when you bring it down to kids, we often have a very hard time seeing differences in children. Mm-hmm. But it's not unusual at all for, for you to go into a friend's house and for them to have a very austere home, mm-hmm. and that's their style.
1: Right.
0: Or you to go into another home and it to be you know completely full of all kinds of wild and whimsical sorts of uh, things. And those are their differences in their personalities. But for children, we often want them to be right in the middle of this creative art project and be touching and doing everything and putting everything on the mm-hmm. picture where that if this child only wants to do the browns, it's like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? What's
1: that on? going to look like on right. the wall when I hang it up later? <laughs>
0: exactly. And so, again, creativity, it, we have our own notion of it, but we really have to, as you're saying, take cues from these kids, too. And it's this dance all the time of how do we encourage and even prod, but also support
1: and reinforce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. An example of even yesterday, a, a snowman project. And um, one little boy had glued a bunch of buttons on the upper part of the head of the snowman. And the teacher said, I, what's, what's going on up here? And he said, well, that's his forehead. Oh, my. And she, you know, earlier had been (laughs) saying to a few of the children, oh, you need a button there, and you need a button there, and you need a button there. But I was so proud of her because she stopped herself because I know she was thinking, a forehead? What? (laughs) You know, but so he made a forehead. Then suddenly a few of the other boys, mine's got a forehead too, and they're gluing more buttons on. I mean. For them, it was an excuse to glue on some more buttons. Exactly. But for this little guy, he really felt his snowman needed a forehead. Uh-huh. And he was given the opportunity to just leave it be and let exactly. it
0: go. You know? Exactly. So, fantastic. Well, do you have something you want to wrap up with with this about cues and creativity?
1: Well, I think we keep coming back to this over and over again in pretty much every single <laughs> podcast that we tape, um, but we really need to be in tune to kids. Yeah. We have yep. to watch and listen and and not just push them ahead, but walk beside them and say, Where are you gonna where are you gonna go with this? And how do you wanna approach this? And watch that in all the children that we care for, which is hard because there's a lot of kids that are in your group. If you're you know, caring for young children. That's just a given today. But you really have to take the time to say do I know this child? And it was a teacher I was meeting with just recently that we were both in tears because I was so proud of her when she said, I feel like I don't know this little boy. Yeah. And it bothered her, and I was so proud of that moment of her coming to that realization that I need to know who he is before I can even figure out exactly. what he needs. I need to know what's going on there. So.
0: Exactly. Great. Thank you. Uh, we did want to say to those who are listening, too. Oh, yes. Um, we're looking for new ideas from you if uh, from all of you if you have a particular issue uh, or challenge in your programs or in your family childcare homes that you'd like us to talk about just email us or the at the end of every podcast there is a survey that asks for suggestions just send that off to us and, and we would love to get your ideas and, mm-hmm. and to do some further talking about some of the things that really resonate with you. So we're really looking
1: looking for that. So mm-hmm. thanks we, again. Oh, go ahead. Well, I know that in the past we've maybe only had um, one time where we had Pat Police from Fraser Child and Family Center as a guest, but we're looking forward to our yes. next podcast having more guests and more. Yes. So other suggestions would be exactly. very appreciated. Yeah. So thank you once again, Priscilla,
0: and thank all of you for listening. And uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks. Great. That's all for now. See you next time.